That's right, you are now listening to Tommy Tom's One Mic. Warning, this podcast contains explicit language, triggering or sensitive topics, and controversial discussions. Thank you so much for tuning in to Tommy Tom's One Mic. I'm Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, flip personality, you know it's I. You never see my kind, never seen a fucking sliver or a slice. I'm the butcher, choice cuts, no, I'm nice. You got beef? I got waggle with a knife. Now I'm gonna be wrapping up bodies up at night. Like Ray Charles, y'all know I'm out of sight. Now I'm gonna be slaying niggas, cause you know I love the life. Yo, you gotta read between the lines. I'm only gonna be moving when I'm read through all the signs. Johnny Mnemonic, I got an upgraded mind. This is for the rebels and the revolutionary minds. Cybernetic linguistics, you know I'm on my mind. Prototype the new dimension, man, that shit is mine. Future is creation and creation is sublime. Make your own legend, only happens with time. Let's hit the mic. Welcome back, everybody, to Tommy Tom and One Mic. And today, as we start my season two of the podcast, I brought to you guys a very special guest. I've only seen this person once in person, but it left such an impression that I've been sitting, I don't want to say stalkerish, but I have been waiting for the opportunity to actually talk to this person. So I'm excited to introduce her. She'll be performing at my show uh, August 14th up at Cabaret Franks, uh, my ninth LL showcase. So Please, uh, if you're at home, I guess you could put your hands together. But hey, welcome, Miss Dana Marie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> was that too much? Was that too much of an intro? I don't know. Oh, I love it. No, it's perfect. <laughs> uh, as uh, we were talking before I started recording, I met Dana at an open mic over in uh, Tapped, Middletown. As is the case in most uh, open mics, I believe you were like the only female comic i do hate saying <laughs> female who does comedy i i've uh i've seen enough female comics talk i just did it again i've seen enough <laughs> women in comedy who hate that term i don't know how you feel about it but uh i try and be a little respectful i guess in that sense i mean yeah we're women we're doing it you know no need to like it's fine to call that out I guess it's the the with the the woke movement. I I don't know what's what's PC and what isn't so much to say anymore. Sometimes so. Totally, I know. I feel like that. I said uh, I said to like a group of ladies that were all at an open mic. I'm like, I'm so happy. There was like four women that never happens, and I was like, I'm so happy. There's all these women like doing comedy, and one of them was like, I don't identify as a woman. I was like, fuck okay, I didn't, I didn't mean that. Like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> like, we shut down. So like, it happens to me too. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Those. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I have a lot of thoughts on that. I, you know what? I'll save that for, for another time. Yeah. No, <laughs> I'll, save, I'll save that for later, you know, for somebody to clip later on when I like, maybe I hopefully make it and they're like, hey, this is what he said about this. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That can come back to haunt me later, but not yet, not yet. Let me actually build up something more before I uh, hashtag myself. <laughs> but no, uh, as I was saying uh, earlier in our conversation, I was very impressed by you. There's a thing with comedy uh, that, Generally, I personally gravitate towards a realness in a person's story or something. I usually break it down as, I guess for 
a lot of comics, there's kind of like the school of Pryor and the school of Carlin, where Carlin is the observation of the world, things going on and stuff like that. Pryor was, I'm going to tell you about my life and we're just going to go along with this. All right. I live a crazy life. And it's usually like the combination of those two processes for a lot of comics where you kind of lean one way or the other, but you usually have both in there. And I definitely uh, gravitate more towards, I guess, the, the prior, the life story and stuff like that. And you talking about your experiences, uh, I guess we'll just get out of the way of uh, your battle with cancer and everything like that. Just you just going up there and doing that. It's just like, oh, shit, she's she's not fucking around. All right. <laughs> All right, I gotta listen. I gotta pay attention here, and all that. So, uh, much props to that once again. I guess, what got you into comedy in the first place to actually like start doing that? Yeah, it was uh, it was straight up cancer. Like I, I've had cancer for like nine years now, and it wasn't like initially I always wanted to be a comic but like I've always listened to comedy like growing up when I was little all that stuff so it's just always been there but I never really thought about pursuing it and then just like my dark humor just kicked in when I had cancer and I was just like openly it was like my favorite thing to sort of like drop on people that I had it like (laughs) (laughs) it's like you know what things are a little too too uh joyish and everybody's let me let me just drop this bomb right here and just make some people squirm oh yeah you're a little uncomfortable you know (laughs) so like that sort of I don't want to say joy but like that sort of like fun exciting thing to like drop on people you know not for others you know it's not exciting for others but like for me like if I was feeling good enough and I would just like have to tell them at some point like you know I'm going through this thing that's pretty serious I would always like just try to pick it up and like make it lighthearted and like funny like just because that's what I do and then I just like wanted to do that more I wanted to like have people laugh at this fucking stupid thing that people have to go through and like you know as soon as I started talking about it like those people that not had cancer but like were affected by cancer in some way like they knew someone or they had a relative that had it or something like that like I just wanted to like release something in them and be like yo like it sucks like we can all agree that this is shit like it's terrible I can't believe that we all have to go through this thing but like there's a commonality here that I think that we can start to like laugh about and just like accept the fact that it's not where it used to be like cancer is no longer like a death sentence immediately for some people so like opening that up and just being like there's a little bit of light that's here and like we're in 2021 there's a lot of shit that's going on with cancer so like it's not like death immediately so like just having that even for me coming into like when I got diagnosed and like having the like percentage be pretty high for survival rate I was like that's sick I didn't know that because I'm like you automatically are like wow you're dead (laughs) it's terrible usually usually when you hear somebody's got cancer it's like well that's it game over (laughs) that's the usual I think that's I think that you grow you grow up with that because may I ask how old you are yes I'm 30 okay so yeah all right so you can get this usually growing up in that time you anybody that you heard had cancer everyone kind of treated it and it usually was just kind of like all right well we gotta get ready for the end right 
yeah. that. There wasn't this new kind of like continuation, I guess, you know, with medical and all that. There wasn't this kind of, it was always just thought, that's it. That's the, that's the end of the story. Yeah. But now you see, no, that's not for a lot of people. Yeah. No, that's seriously it. And like, it's so exciting to hear that like others are going through the same like situation where they're just like either going into remission really quick or like living with it. And, you know, unfortunately getting diagnosed like in their twenties and thirties, but also like being able to go past that, you know, and like not have that be the end of their lives. It's really cool. Yeah. As I was telling you, I do have uh, some friends that had like cancer, even them, uh, like I see like, they'll have like their down days, but when they like have the positive, I'll admit some of the funniest comments I've ever heard. Like one girl, she was like, yeah, they had to go in and I pretty much have a whole brand new pussy now. It's, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's, I'm ready. like it's brand new it's like i'm a virgin again at this point (laughs) it's like oh shit (laughs) oh my gosh i've never talked to anyone with cervical cancer that's intense yeah like i said it's uh it's it's uplifting a lot to see somebody just like all right fuck it this is this is what's happening i'm not gonna let this be the end of the story anymore yeah dude i had to like process the whole like end of my life basically when I was like in my early 20s like I had to like process that as best as I could and then like when it didn't come I was like well like what the fuck now like what does this mean like I just like keep living my life like I'm normal like I don't know how to do that like because you're completely different like immediately after you get diagnosed you're a totally different person whether you like it or not it's just like your life is completely altered and like you just have to like learn who you are all again I mean I'm, I'm sure a lot of people go through that just like just growing up you know like when you turn 30 you're a totally different person than you used to be oh yeah you know <laughs> I got the felonies in my 20s to remind me of that yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what it is you know everyone changes it's just that like we have to like it's like quarantine times like 15 for us like we have to like process like everything that happened in our lives and like you're in this sort of like isolation period not by choice you know like just none of your friends really want to talk to you and also you're like kind of immunocompromised you have to like stay in your room you know well I think also for you like the thought for cancer also was that that's an old person disease and something for you pretty much early 20s like just really getting into the 20s, which I called my rage year. So you just being <laughs> fucking wild and just doing stupid shit. I, I, There's no maturity there. I can imagine just that would have been like a complete shift. And I'm not saying like, I agree, but I, you, I, I think you probably can understand why there was like a nervousness with probably a lot of the people around you, maybe thinking like you're fine, you're like fine, you're like a, so delicate or something now. And they don't know how to react to that as much. Yeah, they were all like going out and like, I would go out with them too if I was feeling like up to it. And like, you know, that is the thing about being sick in your twenties. Like you kind of uh, still do the same shit, but that's what it is. When you like go through this serious of a thing in your early twenties, it's like, you still are this wild person. 
So like you are going out and you are doing like all of this shit, but like you have this serious illness that you have to like kind of maintain and like take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. It's just that fucking mentality at that point. Yeah, exactly. Like the first time I did acid <laughs> in chemo. Like, I was like, I'm just gonna like go for it, you know? Why not? I'm on all this other kinds of drugs. Like I was like, I'm just gonna fucking try it. Never done it before, you know. I'm in my 20s. Like, of course I'm gonna try acid at like it's a weird ass festival. <laughs> that beats uh that beats my acid story, definitely. I mean, just opening day of 300, you know, that was my birthday. So <laughs> uh, you saw 300 on acid? Yeah, opening day, because that was exactly on my birth. It fell exactly on my birthday of March 28th. This is how I always know that day for that for that movie or something. And we all just got together. And like, hey, Tom, you want some tickets to the show? I was like, huh? Okay, fine. I was like, fuck it, whatever. I think I was It's my freshman year of college. So I just come back and we went. Three of us, they sat like real close to the screen. I sat like a normal person with the people that weren't tripping Mm -hmm. and we could hear them throughout the whole thing, just like losing their shit. And I think when the Persian emperor came on screen, that was it. They walked out of the, they walked (laughs) out of the theater because that was too much for them. Oh my God. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's a fantastic tripping story. Uh, There are plenty, like, (laughs) We want to go down a psychedelic trail, okay? In college, I may, I allegedly may have been selling some shrooms or something. So I was, there was like a good couple of months. I was definitely tripping three times a week because, you know, had to go down. You had to pick up the stuff. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to test this to make sure it's still good. So, well, you know what? I'll take one for the team. Then the weekend came and then it was just like, well, okay, let's do, hey, let's make some shroom tea. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I think I I did majority of the drugs before, but just acid was the one that I was like, never tried it. It was just there, and I was like, you know what? Let's do it. And like, I made friends with frogs. <laughs> I did a bit about it. Like, you know, it's real. Like that, and like just the reality of being like in the shit situation and you just want to break out and like do something crazy you know mm-hmm. like whatever my life's over anyway but like people are 20s think that anyway you know like my life's over i'm like an adult now i have to like do everything i want to do now you know of course the the woe is me of life <laughs> right of when you're 20 and then like you grow up and you're like it's not that bad <laughs> it's like i mellowed out at, and then like once i hit 30 i was like and I hear people like, oh man, I'm gonna be 30. It's like, yo, 30 is, you're just entering the 30s. I'm gonna tell you, 30s are awesome. They're just awesome. I like, I'm loving my 30s. I was like, oh my God. Like I, I went and I got together with a bunch of my college friends and all that. One of them's a cop now. So I keep him in my back pocket. It's like, I know way too much shit that you did, buddy. But we're like talking and we're just like, yeah, can you believe how stupid we were in our 20s? It's like, I almost wish I could go back and like with the knowledge I got now, but I got that knowledge going through that. So fuck it. Just live it. They're all having their kids and married and all that. And it's like, oh, when did I become the degenerate friend on the side here? 
Yeah, I just went to a bachelorette where basically everyone had a child. I was like, I don't know anything you guys are talking about. You're talking about breastfeeding for like 45 minutes. I'm like, I'm not about it, but I'll be here for it. I'll show up. That's cool. This is an awkward moment when you realize, oh shit, I uh, I have nothing to say to these people right now sometimes. Yeah, nothing at all. I'm like, well, this is your life. It's totally different, you know, <laughs> but it happens, you know. I had I would like one of my longtime friends because he's had his kid. I went over there but like a couple times in the beginning and all that. And it's just like I explained to him, I was like, dude, I, I can't just sit around and smoke weed, watch you play video games, or watch the fucking new girl. Okay. I've seen the whole series at this point. Yeah. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. They're all roommates, but they kind of like each other. It's great, you know. <laughs> is that change as you get older, you know? It's, it's like you go back to that flashback of your parents telling you, oh, you'll, you'll get it when you're older or something. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're right. Oh, this entire yeah. time. <laughs> but I'll never let them know. I'll never let them know to their oh. face that they were right. <laughs> never. But they'll know that you know the whole time. <laughs> so you had to go through chemo as yeah. well? Yeah. At some point. No, that's an, it's just like a continual thing. Cause I know you think during the pandemic, that's when I saw you were like doing treatment again or something and you like were keeping kind of like a little log of how you were uh, doing and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've been on treatment this whole time, basically right now I'm off of one. Uh, but yeah, I had, I had like two chemo sessions after the first one I got into like a remission for like a few months, but it came back. So then I had to go on another treatment or chemotherapy. And then I got like two stem cell transplants, which is where they like take your blood and they take like the stem cells from it. And then they put the blood back in you. And then they give you like all this chemo to like wipe you out. And then they give you these like brand new stem cells that are like supposed to regenerate like healthy cells within you. And it's like a really arduous process. And uh, I did that twice, didn't work out. And then I got to Sloan Kettering where they get to do this like fancy clinical trial. That's like the brand new kind of like test run. So I'm a test rat, like rat right now. (laughs) So I'm testing out all these drugs to like see if they work on me and like, for the most part, it shrunk a lot of the cancer that I had. And so now it's just like maintaining the cancer that I do have. So like I have, I don't know what the percentage is, but like I have a good amount in my lungs and just like in my lymph nodes and stuff like that. And then um, what this treatment does is just like make sure, makes sure that it doesn't spread. So mm. it's just like keeping it all in one sort of spot but like it waxes and wanes and does its thing. But, (laughs) you know, it's like, it was really confusing for me for like a long time because I was like, what do you mean? I just like stay on this forever, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. what do you mean that this is like not gonna resolve into like remission at some point? And it's still like kind of confusing for me because that's just like what you hear. Like you get sick, you get better and then you're like living normally again, quote unquote. (laughs) But, um. Yeah, I just have to like stay on this treatment and this is just like the new normal now. So like sometimes I feel good, sometimes I feel bad and like I just got to go with either one, you know. 
and uh, get the treatments that I can and try to like get scans in between to make sure that everything's like maintaining. But I'm not in the place where I used to be. So like, I'm not constantly in the hospital. I'm not like constantly like checking my temperature to make sure it's a 101 like and below, you know, like there's a lot, there was a time where like my life was just go to the doctor, go to the hospital, stay in the hospital, come home, make sure that I don't get a fever. If I get a fever, then I got to go to the ER and then I got to go to the hospital and then I got to stay there for like a couple weeks and then like make sure everything's okay and then come home. So like that was just like my full-time job. So like when I would see people and they'd be like, what are you doing? Like, do you have a job? I'd be like, no, dude, like <laughs> job is surviving. So fuck your job. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got other concerns right now. <laughs> but it's so funny because like coming out of it, you know, you see what people prioritize, not so much now because like we all went through the pandemic, but like what people used to prioritize in their lives as being important. Like, who do you know? Like, who do you hang out with? Like, how can I get a connection? You know, like, how can I get a job from you? And it's really like, why can't you just talk to me like a person? Like, why can't you just talk to me? Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you interested in? Like, and then you just see who people really are. Like, you're just trying to get a job or like a connection or like whatever the fuck. And like, I just don't want to like spend my time with those people anymore, you know? And you entered comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know. Irony. Genuine people like you, and you're like, fuck it, you know, like you're cool. I'll hang out with you. And like, it's not, I used to be in like fashion. So, like, those people are like, oh, okay. So now you are not, you're a whole nother realm. Yeah. <laughs> They're very much like, only who do you know? I'm not going to even like look at you if you don't know who I know. Like, <laughs> But, you know, there's elements of that everywhere. Yeah, you see those and all. It's a change in priorities because it's that, like, grow-up moment. You got it through cancer. Probably more positive than me in a jail cell. Uh, <laughs> Where did you go to jail? Uh, I crashed my car near Binghamton, uh, driving back from visiting my college town. I had a mentality of, like, I guess it was, like, well, worst-case scenario, I die. That's cool, whatever. Uh, this is hence why I usually did a lot of shows for suicide prevention. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I say it hit me, but I was still like acting up. Really, it was probably probation and shit like that, where it's like, all right, I have to. I needed that like regimen and going to rehab and shit. Mm-hmm. But probably like a moment that hit me was like when they brought me into the courtroom and I could see my mom crying in the in the, in the audience there. It's like, <sighs> Uh, real now mom's yeah yeah damn it's like that so that image always sticks there but I you know like I said I was still acting wild and still going out drinking and partying and just doing reckless shit I mean it's a bunch of shit I can now talk about on stage and all that from the hilarity of it but at the same time it's like ah I kind of took rehab as like all right let me pause in life because I'm like it's just work, get fucked up on the weekends, repeat the cycle over and over again and all that. It's like, let me just pause and like regroup myself. But, you know, it's, it's a humbling. Yeah, I had to have a humbling experience, I guess, of like realizing, I guess, there's more than myself. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you got to hit that low point to actually 
grow the fuck up, I guess. Yeah. That's <laughs> a low, low point though. Like not just like the first time, like you're saying, like down the road from there. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's not going to happen right away. Still stupid. Like I'll talk about it on stage, but like I preface being like, look, I do not, I'm not trying to glorify this. Understand this is a very stupid fucking thing you can do. No, no, no. Well, that's the thing with like up here. Like I never, when I lived in the city, I was like, I'll never drink and drive, you know? But like you live in the middle of fucking nowhere and you have no choice. Like you're not staying at the bar for like the rest of the night. Like you have to get home. And like for a while, Uber wasn't even up here. Like you couldn't get around. You had to like call a taxi. Who the fuck knows who the taxi number is, you know? (laughs) And like try to get someone there and you're like, no, I'll just like drive, you know? I haven't had too much to drink. And then like, you know, you get into this like habit. You're like, I was just at the bar, you know, whatever. I got to get home. It's not that far, whatever. And you're telling yourself all these things. And like, it's so dangerous. Like, it's just like, it happens though, because you are in the middle of fucking nowhere up here. <laughs> like, you are building this like fake self-confidence. It's like I did, I've already done it before. This is no right. problem. I got this. Mm-hmm. I got this. Yeah, I, got I can do this, you know? Yeah, it's fucked up. And uh, my partner has definitely yelled at me a couple of times, like, you should not have been driving. I will pick you up. But like at that point, you know, I'm just like, I, I'm already like in the car. I might as well just go. But like, it's fucking stupid. And like, I've definitely like taken more responsibility now that I've gotten older. Like, just don't even start drinking. Like, if you're going to be the like DD, just like actually be the DD, you know? Like, <laughs> actually do that <laughs> actually stick with it. that doesn't mean like i'll have a drink when i first get there right. and then I'll be <laughs> later on it's like because yeah you're gonna finish that drink real quick and it's just gonna be like i can do another one or you know okay then that one like hits you a little more like Phew. all right let me sit for a little bit let me sit how long are we saying oh yeah. all right I'll one more. yeah exactly yeah have plenty of time to sober up let me get a water with that too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this will fix it up. I know actually, uh, I'll just get a water. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, like there's a lot more Ubers around now. So like they're more accessible, which is nice, but uh, it's uh, it's definitely harder because <clears throat> like you drive there and you're like, do I really want to pick up my car in the morning? You know, like, mm. you'll find a thousand reasons to do dumb shit, you know, <laughs> like, it's easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like there's been like plenty of times at the end of the the shows that i do where people will offer me rides back and i'm like you probably shouldn't be driving <laughs> yeah i'll take the cab I'll, I'll, I'll just i do it i go out i'm prepared to do it or something because mm-hmm. i don't want my friends also being like stuck out there waiting for me because usually i'm going to be the last person leaving mm-hmm. anyway yeah but it's always funny too at the shows because i think a lot of people they do get a little wasted and then they think that i'm partying with them i was like like, oh yeah we got really wasted i was like y'all did uh like running around just making sure everything was like functional and stuff like there's so many things that you don't see that you sometimes have to deal with and it's like oh man and i think especially now i think a lot of people it's just the excitement i'm getting out again i can I can do something like definitely during COVID when I did those four shows, I can see that there is like people that were like, yes, I'm outside. I need to do something and all that. Yeah. 
people are just excited, you know, even just going out to like open mics, there's a lot more people that are just like willing to like show up just for fun. Just want something to do. Yeah. I'm like, listen to this guy, like profess God knows what. I went to this open mic recently and this guy pulls out like this, like essay paper and like Ah. starts like reading off word for word. I was like, oh no. Like, oh, he scripted it. He scripted it. Oh man, right? Oh man, was that flashbacks to like when I first started, where it was just like I had to memorize my. I was like, all right, let me time it to like four minutes and thirty seconds, so that like I got that extra thirty seconds of wiggle room. I can probably work that if I can get down to four. I got a minute of wiggle room. Mm -hmm. Let me get my speed of how I got to do it. Let me like make up the laughs in my head of like where where's the laugh coming all right it's coming here let me pause for a second all right let me keep on going yeah then i see like the videos of myself i was like oh fuck that guy (laughs) yeah you can't overthink it but it's hard not to you know i just started to be able to like sort of like listen to the crowd when i'm doing it like it for a while, I was just like, talk, 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 talk. Like, and you mm-hmm. can never break this talking. Like, I'm going to talk the whole time. <laughs> like, You're avoiding I, the silence. You're avoiding that fear of silence mm-hmm. or something. You don't want to pause and then have that, like, shock of, like, oh, shit, everyone's, everyone's staring at me. I don't know what to do now. Brain, brain freeze. Yeah. Well, I get that, too. But, like, I also just get, I don't get a lot of people right now, like, laughing at the cancer comedy I don't I don't know solely <laughs> because it's a pretty dark topic or like because we all just like went through this really dark time together like but I'm still gonna go out there and like talk about it and like I just like I said I was able to like sort of like start calling people out for being uncomfortable and like whatever so like that's kind of more fun but sometimes you know I'll just like look out and I'm like everyone feels weird okay I'll just like keep talking like everyone's weird okay good good I'm glad that this is the feeling I'm giving out (laughs) it's that uh kind of crowd work thing that's I think for me that's definitely like the toughest thing sometimes where you're just like try and work in my mind all the different responses but it's never the response that you're gonna that you've already worked out in your mind it's gonna be like something else that will come back and you're like shit too tight for it there's there's not the playability sometimes with some people oh yeah so you gotta like kind of gauge the audience as you're going to see all right can i play with this audience with this or should i just go another direction or something like that yeah that takes time that takes a lot of probably your whole life in doing comedy you're always like have to be a little mindful for that but at the same time stick with what stick with your guns stick with what you're doing and then those who get it, we'll get it. And then, you know, who knows? The next time you perform it, you'll find, you'll have a better crowd that will work it with it. Yeah, yeah. I was just able to do two mics in one night, which was really nice. And like the first time I was like, you guys all hate me. <laughs> and, then <the> <laughs> time, and then the second time there was like this boatload of kids that like came from the high school like party or something like that. And they actually were laughing. And I was like, all right, thank God. Like, at least I end on this, you know? Mm-hmm. It would suck to be vice versa. Like, no one laughs at the second one, but. Mm. Boy, all right, I get to end on the high now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> we, we have reached uh, the halfway point. Uh, so, guys, when uh, we come back, 
actually would like to talk to you a little about your fashion career. <laughs> but when we get back, we'll touch on that and we'll talk on some other things. So guys, we'll be right back after this. And we're back. Hey guys, I hope you've been enjoying this uh, wonderful conversation I've been having with Miss Dana Marie. As I said before the break, I wanted to uh, discuss a little about your fashion experience. As I said, as I was going through, I noticed a couple magazine things and stuff like that. It's like, oh, look at this. Yeah, I've seen, like, I, I know a couple of like ex fashion people. Some of them went into music and whatnot, but I haven't met anybody that's left to go into comedy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> transition for sure. Yes. So, how'd you get into uh, fashion? When I was little, I wanted to be a fashion designer um I grew up in a time of like Project Runway and like you know like America's right, that's that's my gay moment that was like college for me that it was just like I remember it's like why do you watch this <laughs> it's like I don't know what it you know what make it work baby that's it work. <laughs> but I'm paying <laughs> I can't help it I was just exactly like so those sort of things but also like I always drew like what I wanted people to wear and stuff like that. So I was always very interested in it. In high school, I took like a design course and I liked everything, but I hated sewing. So I was like, I'll go into merchandising. Mm. Like I still like fashion, whatever. So I went to college for like fashion merchandising and then I switched to visual merchandising, which is basically like setting up the store to make it look like this whole story basically. Mm. So I did that for a while and then I, and then I got sick. Um, and then after I got sick, I was bald for a little bit, but still feeling good. And I was like, I'm just going to model. Like, I'm just going to like do this for a bit. Cause I hadn't seen like anyone that was really like looking like I wanted them to look as a bald person. Like it was just sort of like either, it was mostly like super masculine looking women when they went bald. It was just like, not what I felt like and not what I really wanted to do I was like I'm still feminine I just don't have any hair so I instead was like I'm just gonna model you know I'll try it out (laughs) it was cool yo but it's it's hard I give so much props to any model everyone's like oh models whatever you know they don't even do anything they do fucking work fucking work it is so hard to be a model like you have to like be at a spot immediately like across town up like up and over town right and then like get there immediately and then like be your best self after you're like sweating in like 95 degree heat like with like looking amazing feeling great haven't had anything to eat yet because literally I just haven't been able to stop And like, if I did have something to eat, it can't be anything greasy because then like later on, it'll make my face look shitty. You know, like there's so much shit you have to think about. And it's just like- This piece of lettuce, that's that's it. It sucks because like, you don't have to do that. But like, at the end of the day, like you just don't have time. Like no one has time to like sit down and like have a meal. And like, if they do, they're super really good at modeling. So like, they're a unicorn and you should bow down to them. It's amazing what these women do. And men too, you know, men are models too and they do great, but it's fucking demanding. It's really hard. So like, I was just, I was spent, you know, I was doing it. And like, I was super sick too, like 
Yeah, I was gonna say you're you're going through treatment and shit like that, and then you're doing this. The energy drop. Yeah, that's the thing. I was like, oh yeah, I'll feel better, you know, like. And I went into it thinking like I won't get booked a lot, but like yeah, you you won't. So like you won't get paid. So yeah. but like, you're, you're not still gonna have to do stuff. You're still gonna run around and try to get paid. Like, and it's not like you know when you're in an eight because I got signed to an agency and like when you're doing that sort of like style of it, you know, like they're gonna call your ass like every five minutes like they're gonna be up your fucking ass to be like get to this place now and i'm like i'm scared of you but also okay i guess like it's so intense and i'm like i uh can't do this i'm just trying to like get by the day but yeah it's uh anyone that is a model like they are unicorns. They are very special people. They should be getting paid the amount that they get paid. Like it's work. Cause then the actual job, like actually looking good is also difficult, you know, like in certain angles. I mean, people are better at it now because of Instagram and stuff like that. But like the whole body thing, like making sure your entire body looks like in a certain way that it looks skinny. I'm like, I can't fucking do that. Like, <laughs> And also the thing with fashion, just like across the board is always like fashion people are fashion people. They're like difficult. It's very difficult. It's very like dramatic always. And like, while I like that, I also don't like that. Like, you know, I'm pretty low key. So it would be a benefit of mine to be low key on like a lot of sets. And like, even before I was modeling, I was doing like styling and I was doing like production and stuff like that. So like, I have this sort of element of being able to like manage high stress situations, but I'd rather just work with like really cool people that are just chill. Like <laughs> so much better. A less, a less stressful thing. And uh, you're in charge of getting to the place, I guess. Yeah. And then like train delays, bus delays. I was coming from like upstate too. So like, like, can you be here in five minutes? I'm like, I'm two hours away. So no, like, <laughs> No, I can't. So sorry. It's like one of those things where it's like so demanding that like really stick with it. You have to move to like a city or something like that. But then if you're not getting paid, it's like, how can I stay down here if I'm not getting paid? But you yep. still want me to come down. It's just that cycle of like yep. this, this isn't gonna work as much. And no, and then like that's how they get you because like, okay, you'll do a job. But then you have to wait until that company closes out their books. So like you might get that job and you might have already done that job, but like it may take like five to six months to actually get paid from that job. So like, yeah, like you're really busy for like a month and a half, two months. Great. You're not going to get paid for another six months. Like, fuck mm -hmm. that. Like, what the fuck? I don't have that sort of money. Like, I'm not like daddy's you all. Like, I'm living on my own. I cannot wait six months to get paid, dude. Like, it's not going to work out. Oh, yeah. And, you know, some people just, they don't, they don't understand. Like, I know I have friends that have like been like, why don't you move down to the city? And it's like, well, for first off, I already know just from talking to you guys what the rent is, what I need to have set up. I need to have at least like five figures saved up to do this move because I don't have a job down there. I have to set up all this stuff, get into a place where I probably got to pay not just a security deposit, but my first and last month's rent. Mm -hmm. It is <laughs> fucking tough. And then it's like, 
oh, the Metro card's gonna go up like $500, great, cool. Can't wait to like be able to not pay that and then have to like <laughs> walk everywhere in the city. That's cool. So I don't know how people do it. But I mean, hey, one day we're gonna be millionaires. It's gonna be great. You know, it's the cliche thing. I just wanna be able to make it so that I can get by and not have to do my day job. But it's easy to just kind of settle for what's there and just stick with that, I guess. Yeah, but well, like, you're saying that and I totally agree with you, but like, we're definitely a different mindset that a lot of people are. And like, it's hard to realize that because like, for us, it's second nature, like just do shit, you know, like just get it done. But for other people, it's like, oh, I got a flat tire. So I can't do anything now for like a month. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, get a tire. I'm like, go get one and like be back in like an hour like what but for some people like that's insurmountable like they can't even get past this moment and I'm like what was your life like like did you never go through any trouble like sorry <laughs> Jesus, what was your, was your diaper golden or something right. Jesus like live a little right. <laughs> that's it but then again you know there's also the people that you know just I, I, I say stuck in time. They haven't changed whatsoever and stuff. And they are just set in that way and they're, they're comfortable there and they're just not going to, nothing you say or something is going to change it or something like that. So it's just like, I've been there. Let me try something else. That's that's my, my thought process. Yeah, it gets boring. Like I thought when I first got diagnosed and I was really sick and then after I got like a little bit better and I could still like sort of do things, but not really. And I just had to stay at home. I was like, oh, this is so cool. I'm going to love this. And I did. I loved it for like a month. I was like, this is great. I'm so fucking tired. I don't have to do anything. But then after a month, I was like, I'm so bored. (laughs) (laughs) I need to do anything, like literally anything. Like I'm so sick of just sitting around. Like, you know, I'm I'm a social person. Like I want to just like go out and do stuff. But I don't know. Some people can just like sit in it forever (laughs) that could just be there every day and and then but you also see like the depression that kicks in with those people you know but once again the advice i usually give is like yo just find something to do like Mm -hmm. read a book do something you can't just sit and be waiting for something to get better or for some people feel entitled that things should get better for you Mm, because you catch that sometimes like i think the line that i heard from it's like I'm a good person and it's, uh, this is why this shouldn't be happening or this is why I deserve this, like followed after. And my thought process every time I said it, I ain't never heard a good person have to tell everybody that, hey, I'm a good person. That's usually in the film, the person that does that ends up being like the villain at the end of the movie, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. bad guy. So, you know, it's like, all right, I'll wait until you write, you know, humbling moment of like oh yeah i did fuck this up and it's just like me in the back just being that asshole friend is like yeah i told you yeah yeah i knew yeah but you're not an asshole because then you're still there from at the end of it you know you're like yeah come here you know oh they still give it to me sometimes (laughs) like (laughs) i'm very old i was like yeah i'm a shitty friend but uh i you know if you want that real conversation i'll have it with you i i don't like confronting people about stuff i used to do it but like looking back, it's like, yeah, that was very egotistical. That's like the, like, oh, I know better. I know, I know how you should do it or stuff. It's like, I'll wait until somebody wants to actually mm. have that conversation. It's like, oh, why don't, 
like have somebody like ask me why why don't you hang out with me why don't we like hang out like we used to or something it's like well here's why and I'll tell you right and like it's it's sometimes like egotistical I guess but like not really sometimes it's just like you know I've already been through this like I can help you but also if you don't want the help I'm just gonna waste my energy so like I don't really want to waste my energy explaining something to you that you're not going to listen to because I've been through that a lot in my life or like I'll expel myself so much to people and I'll be like you need to do xyz you just like I figured it out for you like just do this and then do that and then like two weeks later I'm like so how's it going and the same exact problem I'm like dude I had to learn because I would go through it again I'd be like just do this and that and whatever but like they just, some people are just so used to having something wrong that like, yo, like that's just you, you know, you got like, they have to work that out. It's a waste of my time. And the thing is you, at least for me personally, I don't know about you, but I, sometimes I took that personally, mm-hmm. like a fuck you to me almost. It's like, yo, I'm trying to help you. You know what? What the fuck? <laughs> what am I doing here? And then you just like, you start building almost like a bitterness towards the person or something. Where it's like you had to grow into that maturity of just being like, you know what, it's not personal and all that. It's like, it's the cliche for it's like, yo, I can only control me. I can only mm-hmm. deal with my stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can't take what anybody else feels or says about me personally. Yeah. I'm not focusing on what I, somebody else did wrong. It's more so trying to figure out what did I do that maybe got misconstrued or misunderstood? So that if we do have a conversation, I'm going to be like, look, I understand you think this and this. If that's your truth, that's fine. Let me just tell you how I really meant it or what I was really just go from there. Like I said, and it just takes that maturity process of like, oh, do you get it or don't you? And we'll see how this relationship goes from here. Yeah. Or like you can only help them as much as they want to help themselves. Like that's it, you know? Like if you say it once and they don't listen, like you don't want, they don't want to help themselves at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like, because they, they would find a way around it if they did. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most like cliche one is usually friend dating somebody or something. You just see it. What are you fucking thinking right now? Or something. There's a couple of times I've literally told how I was like, male or female, I've told you're a fucking idiot. This is like, it's like, I don't get it. Why is he doing this? And I was like, because you're a fuck, you, you left them. You left them. That's why. That's, that's it. And then it's always like that later thing where I admit there still will be this like kind of like fuck you from me to them in my head of like when they just like, why didn't anybody tell me? <laughs> they tell me. And you're sitting there just like, yeah, 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 you know, you know, that would be, it's just somebody would have said, you're being a fucking idiot right now. I know, yeah. It's tough, though, especially with relationships. <laughs> so I usually like to end with, like, little random questions. Not so much yes or no. So it could be, like, quick stories. If you really want to go into it, you can. Like, uh, the first question I had is, like, I guess, uh, what is your, I guess, funniest mic experience? Oh, man. For me personally or, for, like, for another person? It could be either or something maybe you just witnessed that you're just like, oh my God, I, I feel your pain right now. Cause I know I've seen plenty of those. I've been, I've been a part of some of those. So, <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, I did have a, I just went to a show. I didn't even like, I wasn't performing or anything. And like the first couple guys only had like five minutes or so. And the one right before the headliner killed, like he was so funny. And he had the whole place like fucking rolling, right? This woman came up and like immediately you could tell, because it was recently, you could tell that like she hadn't gone up since quarantine, right? And she just like, you know, that classic, I'm just going to like tell you about my life and how shitty it is. Yeah. Sort of thing. And she was the fucking headliner for like 20 minutes, dude. It felt like two hours, honestly. And I was like sitting there and I was so uncomfortable and I tried so hard. I was like, ha, like, ha, so funny. And like, I was really, she was bombing like so hard she was talking about our kids and like how shitty they were for like 15 minutes and oh, i was like that sounds awful like i agree that that sounds awful it's not funny at all because like that's your reality every day she was talking about how her kids beat her up like <laughs> how, like, how, like she was just upset at her husband like it wasn't working out and i was like oh man dude like that's a rough story. I'm not like finding the. I think that's uh, back to what what we talked about the therapy session. Uh, you can tell when someone's having a therapy session sometimes on the stage. But like a headliner, I was like, "You yeah. got the 20 minute spot." When like we were just laughing our asses off for this five minute dude, I was like, "This is so uncomfortable." But mm. you know, it happens, and like that's why I was trying my best to be like, you know, laughing as much as I could. But at the same time, I was like, everyone knew, and I was like, just get off the topic of your kids. But like immediately, somehow, it went back to the kids, and I was like, just get off of the kids. We don't want to hear. It went back to uh, the comfort zone of like, all right, it doesn't work. Let me go back to the kids. Let me go back to the kids. But no one. She asked if anyone had kids. No one had kids. I was like, get off of it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, that would be, yeah, that was the worst one for sure. What would be uh, what would be your choice toppings for your pizza? Oh, uh, pepperoni onion. Oh shit! You're the only other person I know who does that. Oh shit! It's the shit. It's and so- you know what? I stumbled onto that because my thing used to be peppers and onions. This pizza place kept fucking up my order so bad. Like what they did first, I asked for peppers and onions. They sent me peppers and mushroom. I was like, how'd you fuck this up, right? <laughs> Didn't go for them for like a couple of weeks. Now I go again, I was like, all right, peppers and onions. They gave me pepperoni and onions. I was like, it's pretty fucking good. You still <laughs> fucked up. But you know what I do? So sometimes I get that. So yes, all right. First person. <laughs> like, oh shit. <laughs> Yeah, it is good. And that sucks that they fucked it up, but good that you got an extended palette from it. <laughs> yeah. That's why, you know, sometimes you got to explore. You got to explore a little with uh, your food choices and all that. Yeah. All right. And let's see. What was the, oh, as a fashion extraordinaire, uh, is there a favorite, like, I guess, uh, fashion design or something that you are... Uh, Kina, or like, uh, I guess, style. What fashion advice would you give me? (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Hold on, on. let me take out the hair. Let me just get the hair. Yeah, get the full. 
facade. Okay. Um, I would say men are carrying around these like fanny pack things, but like around their like chest area. I don't know if it's right for you, but I feel like, (laughs) I feel like a lot of people are doing that now. So I can see that happening. That will probably uh, extend the rumors of me being gay. I have (laughs) out, but whatever. Like I said, hey, I have a project runway in my blood. All right, so. (laughs) There you go. Um, The cuff jean is like classic hipster move, but like it's happening, you know, it's always around the cuff jean. Button ups are fine, but like you don't have to do that. Get like it's just like a cool like uh, like vintage t shirt. There's something that like you really like. Uh, I guess who would be who would you think is like uh one of your or it could be more than one uh, like your biggest comedy influences? Not so much in like maybe your comedy, but like somebody you like look at and like that's inspiring. Uh, as soon as I saw Ali Wong's Baby Cobra, I knew. I knew it was for me. <laughs> she, I was like peeing my pants over that. Um, so I love her. I just watched Beth Sterling's show and that was amazing. Um, I don't know. I, I've watched like Bill Hicks and stuff like that. That's really good. He's good for like dark comedy stuff. <laughs> and then like growing up, I always loved Jerry. I mean, I can't. I can't hate on him. Like, I'm sorry I'm that person, but like. I feel so bad that like, he's become like this, I guess you can say now meme almost. He's just like, what's the deal with? Like, that's that's the, this the number one like comic imitation thing of somebody making fun of comedy. He's like, hey, what's the deal with this? Like, that's, that's what he's become. I know. But like, you can only be so good for so long, you know? But like, and obviously like, you know, Pryor and uh, Carlin, Jesus Christ, like amazing, like absolutely phenomenal. But in the more modern times, like I, when I, once I saw Ali Wong, I was like, you're fucking amazing. I want to be like you. Like, she's so funny. Yeah, you gotta have that like, there's the old school safe answers and all that, but it's like, there's usually somebody else that like hits it with you or something. I laugh the hardest at Bill Bird and like Dave Chappelle and like, Oh my God. But like the things that they say, it's just so good. So good. That's that's that thing, like with your, the cancer thing, you're like trying to reach that point of like, I can say something that's just like so disturbing from an outside point, but you can't help but just like, and laugh. That's, that's, that's the goal of just taking these uncomfortable things and all that. They remix this a little, cool. Now we can all laugh at it. Right. It's like it's an intelligent kind of thing. Like I think some people underestimate the intelligence that goes into stand up. But Nanny, I think I've kept you. Yeah, I've kept you long enough. I don't want to keep you too late and all that. Uh, but I do appreciate you joining me today for this uh, episode. And uh, usually at this point, I allow a uh, person I'm talking to to uh, pimp out their social media and everything. Uh, let people get to if they want to find you or follow all of your stuff so you can share all that awesome yeah so i'm on instagram as i'm sorry for this but it's five underscores and then dana with a y marie um and then i'm also on twitter as run dmc 
R-U-N-N-N-D-M-C. I also have a podcast called So Positive. My cat is aggressively. <laughs> Sorry. Can you hear that? No. Yeah, I could hear that. <laughs> it's cool. Like I said. Aggressively playing with a wire. Anyway, um, I also have a podcast called Still Positive. That's um, Still Positive podcast on Instagram. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Sorry, my cat is going crazy. <laughs> like, what is your your cat training for a fight back there? Is it like? He's <laughs> <laughs> like doing SOS calls. Yeah, SOS calls on my door here. I don't know what the fuck, but. <laughs> Sorry. But now, don't worry, guys. We will have a. Uh... All of uh, Dana's uh, link, all her social media and all her links will, of course, as always, be at the bottom of this podcast link once you guys get to see it. And guys, of course, if you are listening to this podcast uh, right now, great, you found the podcast. Please like, subscribe, do whatever, you know, whatever you're listening to this on, you know, do whatever they say to show the support and all that. And of course, if you want a little more intimate conversation with me, that won't get me hashtagged. You can always find me on Instagram at I believe it's the Tommy Tom eighty eight, and then uh, just Tommy Tom eighty eight on uh, Twitter. You can join my other twenty five Twitter followers. Be great. Thank you once again for listening, and Dana. Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to working with you on the fourteenth. Which once again, guys, on the fourteenth we will be rocking out at Cabernet Franks. We got of course Dana. Uh, a bunch of other people that I've already interviewed on my podcast. So you get the whole effect. So guys, we will catch you all next time. I'm Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Flip personality, you know it's I. You never see my kind. Never seen a sliver or a slice. I'm the butcher choice. Guts know I'm nice. You got beef? I got waggle with a knife. Now I'm going to be wrapping up bodies up at night. Like Ray Charles. Y'all know I'm not a sight. Now I'm going to be slaying this because you know I love the life. Yo, you gotta read between the lines I'm only gonna be moving when I'm read through all the signs Johnny Mnemonic, I got an upgrade in mind This is for the rebels and the revolutionary minds Cybernetic linguistics, you know I'm on my mind Prototype the new dimension, man, that shit is mine Future is creation and creation is sublime Make your own legend, only happens with time